Hey everybody, welcome to PFFA Pod, Episode 3. My name is Kyle McLowry, and I'll make this intro real quick. Just want to thank everybody for listening. This is just one of the ways we here, the primary officers at Local 43, are trying to communicate with all the members out there. So, as always, if you have any questions, comments, you can feel free to contact me or any of the primary officers. Thanks again. Hello, everybody. I'm sitting here with uh, Isaac McLennan and Travis Chipman uh, for the third edition of the PFFA pod. Would you guys introduce yourself real quick and tell us where you work and, I don't know, a little introduction, your position at the union. Hello, I'm Travis Chipman. I am your current secretary treasurer of Local 43, Portland Firefighters Association, and currently stationed at Station 14. Awesome. How long have you been uh, secretary treasurer? I'm on my fourth year, second term. Cool. All right. Mr. McLennan? Isaac McLennan. I'm a firefighter at Station 7 on the Hazmat team, uh, as well as a vice president for Local 43. I've been the vice president for about seven or eight years. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. Awesome. So today, we are going to be talking just about two issues. We're going to talk about the member survey that uh, is out currently, and it's open until July 31st. Mm -hmm. And we'll also talk about the Janus decision or the Supreme Court. Let's start with the survey. So I have both of you guys here because, as to my knowledge, and maybe I'm, you can correct me if I'm wrong, you were two that were doing the most of the work, getting it prepped and getting it out. Can you just give us a little background, maybe just how this, what went into making the survey, the 25, was it 25 um, issues or topics? Correct. Okay, just run me through a little bit. So this year, the negotiation team, we decided what did the survey need to look like. So we laid out a bunch of different options, and we realized that we wanted something better than the past, but we also wanted real membership feedback. So if you'll remember, two surveys ago, uh, the union negotiations team listed a 20-item list that they sent out, and then you ranked that list or put your priorities on those topics. The last one for the 2016 cycle, we sent out a blank five-line list that you filled in. And and so we got a lot of great feedback and a lot of different variety in that survey. So this time, we decided that we were going to do the best of both worlds. So we took, uh, which ultimately ended up at about 63 different responses, Um, Isaac and I took out all of the responses that were no longer... Um, an issue for the next cycle. So an example would be, I want the 13 positions back that we lost right. in the budget right. cuts. Yeah. So we took that item out or we took out duplicate responses or we took out items that were not technically ever going to happen in a bargaining situation, but we could get through a labor okay. management situation. So you got that well, 60 something down to 25. Correct. Okay. Isaac? Yeah, and I think it's important to remember that we weren't trying to uh, silence anybody's opinion, but more what we were trying to do is categorize it into uh, similar items. And because when you have, uh, in the last survey, we just allowed free speech to take place, and so people were kind of all over the board. And so what we wanted to do is sort of take those 
those those categories mm-hmm. and funnel sure. them into sort sure. of ideas that we we felt like they were they were there. In addition to kind of like we also looked at some of the current events that were happening, things that weren't necessarily a topic mm-hmm. uh, from previous years and that have kind of moved into the topic now. And so to take all those into account. Now, in addition to that, those twenty five things. It was, it was also important to make sure we still allowed that free speech to take place. So if there's an issue that we didn't know about yet or hasn't, ha- hasn't come up, uh, to our knowledge, we wanted people to be able to voice their opinion. And that's why we allowed them to add a 26th item, which was a fill in your own blank. The, the comments. Is that what it was? Fill in blank or comments? Yeah, fill in the comments, blank was yeah. allowed at every priority. So I just want to circle back real quick. You said you didn't want to silence anybody's voice. You Was that something that you got a, a response about? Why wasn't this on there? That sort of thing. Did that actually come back to you? Yeah, and members in advance of the survey going out really didn't know what those items were going to be to select from. And and there's a lot of like dot, you know delving into kind of some of the what what went into the survey and what we're looking for. Mm-hmm. But this is just I think it's important to kind of back up also a little bit and, and say that this survey is really just a piece of the negotiation process. It does not mean that the only thing we're going to focus on is what was the first priority or the second priority after we, you know, go through all the data and compile that information. You know, this union takes into account a lot of different factors. This is an important piece Mm -hmm. because it does speak for the larger group. But there's a lot of different factors that are out there uh, politically or maybe, you know... um, just sort of demographically or how our members are sort of assimilated. And we're going to take a look at all of those things. And, and I'm kind of broad basing that a little bit, but you yep, have to understand sure. there's a lot of different dynamics okay. that go okay. into it. Sure. And I think it's important that we take that into context. This is just one tool that sure. the negotiating team utilizes. It'll be a tool to help. And I'm on the negotiations team as well. I should probably say I'm one of the vice presidents as well, if you didn't already know that. It essentially is a tool to help sharpen our focus Absolutely. in negotiations. Yeah. Would that be a correct... Yeah, I just, I mean, and that mic back up towards you a little bit. And in just in general, just angle it, yeah, yeah, and, I, and just and just in general, I think it's important to see that like this is this is a way we can see in across the membership. Doesn't mm-hmm. matter who you are, where you come from, what you're interested in. It's going to say, hey, look, this item or this or these two or three or maybe the top five items yeah. are important to everybody. And I think it's important to to see that's one tool. And there's going to be some other things we look at as a negotiating team going forward. There were some questions about why certain parts of it were on there. So we answered the questions about why those things were chosen, those 25. Um, I feel like there was something about the drop-down menu. To look back at those, the, basically that list of items, it was brought to our attention that when we developed it, we weren't really uh, doing it in any specific order. Right. But in the process of developing that list, it got put into an order. Right. Uh, just because of how those things kind of fell into different, maybe different groupings of categories. And they just were sort of randomly put there by virtue of how we were processing all these items. And when they got put into this drop-down list, uh, there was an issue brought up. It's like, well, it seems like you're prioritizing some of these ones that happen to be towards the top. Because when right. you click on the list, it starts at the top, works your way down. So to address that, we had to we basically had to randomize the lists. But that meant that every single... When you went to take the survey, there was five options. And then you, when you click on the survey... You'd be diff- you would be challenged with 25 items that were in different orders for each question. Right. And that was the only way to really make it so that it was completely unfair to say that one thing okay. took priority over the other. So every time you click on uh, a choice, a drop-down menu comes up, and it's different order every time. Correct. With okay. the last one always being other, 
right. to specify, which right. you can fill in your own. That will always be last. But the rest of the 25 are in completely different orders for each five ones that you answer, plus not to mention everybody who takes a survey. It's a different random order for everybody who takes a survey. Okay. Uh, I feel like there was something else, and I'm just trying to remember what it was. I know it's important to say, oh, the if everybody hasn't seen it, I mean, I know they came out in separate emails, that each one of these 25 issues, there's a, there's a description of it, a basic description. Do you guys work on that as well? Is that correct? Isaac and I did, yes. So if you don't have that, they can get, where, is there some place people can find that, or is it should just be back in the emails? So uh, we sent that out uh, in a separate email. Right. You know, and and, and if, this, if members can remember, before we even sent out the survey, I got approval from the... Uh, 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 Tom Williams to send us out via roll call. Oh, so right. He read via roll call okay. that we needed everybody's email address because that's the only way we can assure that every one person has access to it. And Got so it, it allows us to track to see did somebody get that. And then, not to mention, obviously, we only want people serving, filling out the survey once. Mm-hmm. So it also allows that to transpire. Okay. But uh, that list was sent out uh, via email just so people had that that list of sort of in those brief descriptions. Okay. Plus, it's important to see that it's actually in the survey itself. When you take the survey, there's a brief description of sort of how to fill it out, yep. how it works, and then there's a link you can click and download a PDF that shows that list. Now, that list is in alphabetical order um, based on whatever word starts the phrase, um, and that's the only un- sort of unbiased way we could assimilate okay. that list because okay. we wanted to make sure we were not favoring one item over another, and that was, you know... Uh, that's what we decided All right. to do. So my only last question, you guys can think about if there's anything else you want to add. I'll ask Travis, because I know, I mean, I know the answer to this one, but I'll ask you anyways, because I think it's important. So what happens, Travis, if you and I are hanging out, station 14, talking about the survey, I'm already done, and you tell me about something on there, and I'm like, wow, I didn't, I didn't understand that. I wish I'd voted differently. What can I do? I believe you can go back on and change your answers up until the date that... Um we have set for the last day to take the survey. Isaac, you want to jump in on how to do that? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, I'll, so the survey will be open until the end of July, July 31st, or uh, just 15 minutes shy of midnight. And <laughs> members can, if you're up that late, you can still make your final changes. changes. Uh, yeah. I would recommend doing it earlier. Um, but yeah, so you can, at any time, you can go back in using the email link uh, that you were already sent uh, via the Survey Monkey. And make the, you make make whatever changes you want, and then resubmit. So it's open. That survey is ongoing for each individual. Correct. Each individual has their own, in unique access to the to take the survey. So I would thank you for that because that's an awesome um, addition, I think, to this whole thing. Anything else you want to add about the survey? Um, so Monday the twenty third, twenty fourth, and twenty fifth, one or more members of the negotiating team and the executive board will be at the union hall to answer questions from eight thirty to ten thirty. And I would just challenge everybody to at the kitchen table to talk and ask questions. And if you have so important. questions for us, please reach out. Uh, the negotiation team includes myself, Alan Frischweiler, Jason Lehman, Kyle McClowry, Terry Foster, Isaac McLennan. Um, and then we haven't decided on a note taker yet, but that would be the team. So I would just really challenge everybody to pull up those definitions and ask questions. And I think it's really important. And Maybe I could circle back, Kyle, yeah. about how we got from 63 to 25. Please. I'll give you one example. So when we talk sick leave, there was a, a response back that said, pay out uh, sick leave hours at 100%, all of them. And then there was another one that said, um, make the payout rates better for sick leave accrual. 
So obviously to me, those, those two are the exact same thing. And so we combine those two answers into one fluid uh, response for that um, survey. So those are, those are more examples of how we got, but mm -hmm. everything that you asked for in the last one is either on this survey or deemed um, a labor management topic, mm -hmm. not a bargaining topic. Mm -hmm. So the bottom line is if you have questions or concerns about it, come talk to one of us. I think we've had some questions regarding the uh, negotiations and all the priorities. And if everybody's priority is different, then how are we going to make a collective priority? And that's something that Isaac and I are working on right now, whether it's be a point value system per priority or a, a formula to add points for all collective five priorities. And so that's something we're finalizing now. But if you have questions or input on the way we're going to um, extrapolate the data, mm -hmm. then please let us know. Right. Go ahead. And it should also go down. I mean, people who have been asking me like, well, our members going to get this, this, uh, the results of the survey. And I've been getting that question a fair number of times. So it's important. I think we'd address that. Uh, and the answer is quite simply no. And, the, and, and, and it's not because we're trying to hide something. It's because this is in really sensitive information. And it's like a game of poker. You wouldn't play poker by, by getting your cards dealt to you and then just laying down in front of you. That's not, that's not, and it's not to say that this is a game. It isn't a game, but we want to make sure that we hold our members' priorities close to our chest so that we can get those things appropriately. And that involves a strategy, a strategy that we use to, to bargain every time we're at the table. The city will do something very similar. They'll have what's important to them, what they've been directed to go and get, and they will hold those cards close to their chest. And so it's, all of this information will be at our members. They can go and look at everything, the, all the surveys, uh, the results, the how, how that how that was transpired. Once the either a tentative agreement is reached or we have settled an arbitration, okay. that information will be able to be seen at the union hall. Okay, fair enough. So let's move on to the Janus decision. It was a recent Supreme Court decision, AFSCME versus Janus. So um, just sort of sum up. So for our, I think probably a lot of our members don't know much about it. If you could just sort of give a general. Uh, idea of what the decision means for Local 43 and for unions as a larger group. So let me set the, set the stage um, and explain how Janice came about. So Mark Janice was a teacher, and he uh, basically said, by me paying fair share dues or fair share fees, I'm being forced into backing what my union is saying so my speech is being muffled out i don't have free speech by being forced into pay fair share fees um, so this is a first amendment issue and that's the whole basis for the janice decision and that's how it made it all the way through the supreme court well that that's his version of it that's correct a first amendment issue and that's what the ultimately the supreme court backed his uh, claim was that he was being held back and he had no free speech by being forced to pay fair share fees. Um, so what does that mean for Local 43? Right now we are 100% union dues paying members. If we did have someone that had paid fair share fees all along, we don't have the ability to collect fair share fees from them now because they no longer have to pay it. Janice is very clear, the Janice decision is very clear, that those members who elect 
to not pay fair share fees anymore. They still have the rights to the contract and they still have the rights of representation by the union. Isaac, do you have anything you want to add to that? I think that was a pretty good summarization. Um, we saw the writing on the wall when uh, the last Supreme Court seat got filled uh, and that uh, it would go against unions. And it, it did It did indeed. And no, I think no surprises. There was no surprises from us. We were anticipating this decision. So we've been talking about this with our members. If you've been to any general membership meeting in the past almost two years, because yeah. we've been talking about it since this court case was going through with a different, different name, Friedrichs, the Friedrichs versus case. the California Teachers Association. So yeah. this is not something that we've, we've been preparing for the, uh, for a while. I, I do want to set up, and, and I'm glad Travis mentioned that we are 100%. And it used to be that when you, know, you didn't want, with you, there was, there's two categories. Either you are a member or you're a non-member. And it used to be, prior to this case, if you were a non-member in the state of Oregon as a public employee, you still had to pay fair share fees, which basically means that you can decide, I want to be a member, but then you still have to pay for your bargaining, the, the team that bargains on your behalf, your wages, your hours, your working conditions, all that still has to be paid for. Now, safety, pension. Yep. Safety, pension, exactly. Your health care, all of that stuff. So now, if you decide, I'm going to be a non-member, now you pay, you, you'll you effectively pay no union dues, and you're not paying for those things. But still, you get the same benefits as somebody who does pay dues. And this is an important distinction because I think, at least at the firehouse, um, we rep- we understand that like, we may not all agree. Yeah. But yeah. And and I, I like to use the analogy, and, and, and when I you know, my my firehouse is that, you know, we all put down our ten dollars so we can pay for chow. We may not like what's for lunch or for dinner, but we pay it. Yep. And we all eat together. And that's the way it works. And, and the important thing is, I think that we uh, look at that in this, in, in, in somewhat that way, or house dues, or however you want to make the analogy. Sure. But I think it's. Uh, I'm really proud of the fact that our membership sees that being in a solidarity unit, even though we may not all agree on all of those issues, this uh, union is bigger than any one of us, mm-hmm. and it's about our prosperity as a group and supporting of the fact that, like, look, we're here to fight for our members our members' rights, and our ability to retire with dignity, have that lifestyle that we want with our families. That's the thing we all have in common. Those things may be different for all of us, what we all choose, but the fact that we have that ability to choose for ourselves and choose that path, that's what this union does, and that's what it's all about. Sure. And it can be easy to forget sometimes. You talk about hours, uh, wages, working conditions, where we came from, where we've been. I know that uh, Don Porth put together a, a History of Local 43, also a history of the Bureau. But if you start looking through some of that, and there's a couple of copies of the union, some floating around, look at the hours yeah. that the firefighters used to work. That's... Look at the wages that we used to make. Look at the working conditions. Um, I know it's going back quite a ways, but we're doing really well now overall in those, in those, ca- in those categories. And it's in large part, if not you know, completely due to the efforts of the standing on the shoulder of the, of the previous union leaders at Local 43. And, you know, I understand people can get complacent sometimes, but it is important to, to have that context, I think. And I think that should be, and is now and should continue to be a reason for the continued solidarity amongst firefighters in Portland. Absolutely. We got here because we stayed unified and we fought. We fought together. Our four people that came before us, like you said, we worked 96 hours a week, earning 29 cents an hour. And now, you know, look at us now. We didn't get here because they gave, they wanted to give it to us. 
we stood up for what was right mm-hmm. and we wanted to have a fair working wage and be able to retire with dignity and that will go away if we don't if we let our guard down that's they're just going to come looking for that so it's important that we stay united in solidarity and keep marching forward because this case, this court case kind of illustrates how they're coming for us and in effect it gives me more fire and desire to push back because i you know it it allows me to see what's really important when it comes to this union movement and i think it's uh ultimately going to hurt the the side that's against us yeah. because it's giving it's giving us a lot of fire and ammunition okay we got just a few more minutes here um i want to ask travis i know at the union travis is one of the first ones to actually read the entire decision it's you know 89 90 pages of legalese so it's a lot lot to get through so you read through it um to have some questions you directed to our attorney can you just tell us a little bit about that is there anything you think specifically relevant for the members to know from that that uh, work you've done yes I, i'd love to answer that question so kind of working backwards um we also are one of the first fire unions in the state of Oregon to have a true fair share policy that has been audited by an outside um, accountant. So I'm pretty proud of the work that's been done in our union office for that. Um, it's known that fact is now known at the state and the national level um, where we are as far as knowledge and preparedness for the whole fair share um, topic. Now, as Janice came out, um, I did have the opportunity to read it and proposed a, a wide list of questions for our attorney. We have um, attorney that specializes in fair share and documents and membership cards. So one of the th- questions that I've been asked by a lot of members and that was asked by um, me to our attorney is, what about the list that we have for non-members or non-dues-paying members. Is that available? And at this point, we are 100%. I know we've talked about that before, but I just want to reiterate it. Um, I have had nobody come to me um, regarding becoming a non-member, and so there is no list at this point. But in the future, um, I would probably, uh, being your secretary treasurer, hold that list very tightly. I don't think that we want uh, we want to help our outside entities divide this membership anymore by mm. creating that list public. And so I know that that's going to not be a pop popular answer among the membership because they want to know if the brother or sister they're sitting next to is um, paying or not. Um, but um, all the other questions I um, brought up to our attorney were just regarding um, policy state um, language there is some talk about in the Janus decision about charging members for um, grievance costs, lawyer costs, you know, union hall time, um, and none of that has been decided yet. Right. So we're not going to go down that road yet because we're all brothers and sisters in Local 43 and we're going to protect each other. Right. And so that's one of the last questions I'll have answered. Um, but other than that, the membership card question is answered. And so we'll go the membership card is that question is answered? Yes, about uh, renewing or updating our membership cards at the Union Hall. You're shaking your head, Isaac. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, no, I think that's an important concept. And I, I, don't, think, I don't think they can see you shaking over there. Yeah, no, <laughs> it's a podcast, not a video. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it's, uh, Travis did a great job at articulating that, and I appreciate, you know, a lot of those uh, that he thinks he's talking about, those dialogues, those are email strings where, you know, the, all the entire um, uh, officers groups involved with those 
those back and forth, uh, and you know, not only just the, the our, our attorney that he's speaking of, uh, but as well as our contract attorney uh-huh. and another attorney that works for a lot of different fire uh, fire unions in the state of Oregon. So those three attorneys, with addition, with with the addition of the International Association of Firefighters, have all been weighing in on this decision, uh-huh. what it means for us specifically here at Oregon, and also at the national level. So we've had a lot of different input uh, from a lot of different channels, and as I we kind of pointed out, this is not something that just blindsided us. We saw it coming, yeah. and so that, that allowed us to prepare for it, but also to prepare a counterattack back to the people who were pushing for this. The, I mean, that's not. That's, we don't have to like sugarcoat this one. We know where the money is coming from, who's funding the other side. And uh, we also know who here in Oregon, like the Freedom Foundation, will be is now emboldened by this. And let's say that, I'll just say this there's nothing about the Freedom Foundation that has anything to do with freedom. Okay. And just, it's just the opposite of that. They are, a, are, they are an organization that is funded by wealthy people, and they are out for one thing and one thing only. And that is to undermine our ability to be influential for our members' behalf. That's all they're looking for. And what I would say, I would charge all of our members with this one task. If you were approached by the Freedom Foundation mm-hmm. in any way, take note of everything they say what, and who they are, their name, where you were when they approached you, and document that and send that to us because we want to be able to, to know when our members are being approached and so we can push back against them publicly. It's not okay for our members to be harassed in any way for their the choices for them to defend their own well-being and lifestyle. And that's what this union's all about. Okay. Well, that's about all I have for this this episode. Last chance, anybody? Anybody want to add anything? No, I just want to say thank you to the membership because you continue to ask the tough questions and you continue to yeah. be engaged yep. in Absolutely. your future and in, in your status here with the Portland Firefighter Association as well as Portland Fire and Rescue. And and without you, we don't have the information and uh, the knowledge we we need to continue to, to fight on your behalf. Sweet. Thank, thank you. you, Travis. Yeah, it's awesome. Appreciate this time. Yep. Thanks, Isaac. Take care, everybody.